0: That's a, that's a nice little analogy to make, you know, like when, when life's falling apart, whether it's a financial problem, a divorce, death, like whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, you know, we, we tend to think our lives are falling apart, but you know, a, a perspective to take with you is that life, it's not falling apart, it's falling into place. Yeah. and. You know, it was the end of a really harmful existence, a really painful, harmful existence that I was in for a really long time. And it was the beginning of my life. And that's the way I talk about it now is it it was when life
1: began. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. Tribe leader Janet Gorond.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 116. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we learned from experience that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe.
0: There's one thing that I forgot to mention that just popped up now that I really think I have to mention, because this has been the most profound benefit for me, is that my levels of anxiety have been totally oh, reduced. Yes. Fantastic. And, and I, have, I do have high levels of anxiety. Um, my job requires a lot. makes me even more anxious when I feel I can't perform because I'm too tired. And my, I've been able to cope with making difficult decisions a lot easier. Because my anxiety is less and I'm just fresher. And that was a game changer for me, an absolute game changer.
2: So if you want to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. Alternatively, if you just want to dip your toe in the waters of sobriety, then why not sign up for our Dry July Challenge, which starts on Friday. We put you in a chat group with the other challenges, we send you a daily email full of tips, tools and inspiration, and we offer you several Zoom calls a week. What's not to like? Just go to tribesober.com and hit the dry July graphic to find out more. My podcast guest this week is Dennis Berry. He is a life mastery coach and has been working with people all over the world for the last 15 years. He's been sober since April the 8th, 2003, during which time he became a successful businessman, an athlete and a family man. His recovery journey helped him to find his mission in life, which is to help others to achieve inner peace and success and master every area of their lives. Dennis knows what it's like to be helpless and hopeless with no positive direction. He was able to climb out of the gutter and transform his life, and he spends his life helping others to do the same. So I began by asking Dennis to introduce himself.
0: Sure, yeah. So I'm, my name is Dennis Berry. I'm a life mastery coach. I'm a speaker and author, and I love what I do.
2: So Dennis, let's, let's go back into the drinking story, shall we?
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, as a kid, just like a lot of other people, I was just full of fear and insecurity. I started drinking to take away a lot of that pain of the, uh, the big scary world. And I never learned how to grow up. What happened was it, it, I moved to the mountains to get away from life. So I didn't, because I didn't know how to handle life. And I started drinking and smoking, you know, at the age of 15. But then a few years later, I, I just moved to the mountains to hide, to get away. So I didn't have to learn how to cope with life or grow up. I was just uh, kind of removed myself from the world. The problem was uh, about 15 la- years later, I realized I, I couldn't drink anymore and I couldn't stop drinking. It's a really sad place to be. But ultimately, I, I stopped. And, you know, a big misconception is you just take away the drinking or drugs or harmful behaviors and all of a sudden life is just rainbows and unicorns. And that's not the way it works. And um Not at all. yeah, there's a lot of growth uh, a lot of reconstruction to put our lives back together or even together for the first time, yeah and-
2: yeah, yeah, I like that the way you say together for the first time because. Yeah, I'm only six years into recovery, but I'm finding that, you know, my life is richer these days than it ever was, you know, even back in in the old days. So talk to us because I heard you on Loretta's podcast and uh, you made me laugh. You were talking about the vampire lifestyle. For those of us that don't know about restaurants and what happens behind the scenes, just uh, tell us that little story about what, what you keep, what you guys keep in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh you you heard that part huh i did (laughs) yeah
2: restaurants have never been the same for me since
0: (laughs) yeah it's an interesting lifestyle too for sure you know and you know when we talk about the addiction and alcoholism the lifestyle and for like i don't want to mislead anybody like i had that tendency to check out of life so in my case, I—I I mean, I, I would have ended up going down that path, whether I was into cooking or basket weaving. I think I would have been, uh, you know, alcoholic or addict or whatever you want to call it. But in my case, I ended up in restaurant world, which definitely lends itself to addictive lifestyle. Uh, if you're already predisposed to it, as I already was, and um, you know, the drinking, the partying, the nighttime living. I remember I would wake up so hungover in the morning like puffy and swollen and I would just look in the mirror and cry and be like I'm never doing that again and I would go to work you know early afternoon to prep for the night and I would just be so hungover and it was so hard to just get through the day and I was like I'm going home right after work no matter what and I would we would sweat so much and we kept bottles of whiskey and rum in the ice cooler at work. And we would just drink all day during the shift. I think what you heard was that we used to do lines in the walk-in, lines of cocaine in the walk-in freezer or walk-in refrigerator. And uh, just to keep it going. And then after work, it's just somehow, it, you know, we sweat all the, that, those toxins out. And, you know, on the way home, my truck just turned into the bar all by itself. <laughs> and there went that that vicious cycle that we hear so much about where it's like, I swear I'm never gonna do it again, I'm doing it again. I swear I'm never gonna do it yeah, again, yeah. I'm doing it again. And I didn't know how to get out of it. Now, yeah. In yeah. my case, I left that world altogether. I was lucky enough to be able to do that. There was I didn't have like responsibilities of family and stuff. So I was able to just kind of start my life over and I I left the world of restaurants that nighttime lifestyle, the vampire lifestyle you referred to. And uh, then I started working, I got a sales job and started working in, in uh, normal working hours, uh, however you whatever normal is. And, um, you know, I still struggled, though, for a while. Which I was so out when of.
2: was it uh, that you actually accepted that you had to make a change? Were, you were kind of late 20s, were you still in restaurants? Yeah.
0: Yes, when I left the restaurants, I was about twenty seven, and then or twenty seven, twenty eight, and then by the time I got sober, I was thirty one. Right, and uh, and then that's where life began. That's a that's a nice little analogy to make. You know, like when when life's falling apart, whether it's a financial problem, a divorce, death, like whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, you know, we we tend to think our lives are falling apart, but you know, a, a perspective to take with you is that life it's not falling apart it's falling into place yeah and you know it was the end of a really harmful existence a really painful harmful existence that i was in for a really long time and it was the beginning of my life and that's yeah. the way i talk about it now yeah. is it, it was when life began
2: yeah I, i've read your book uh, funky wisdom and you talk about the how you felt that you were ready so that those how principles must have uh, applied to you then Just remind us what they are.
0: Yeah. How uh, is people say to me often, and we've heard this and it's a popular acronym in the world of recovery, but it's like, how do I uh, stop drinking? How do I improve my relationships? How do I have successful businesses? How do I become healthy again? And the answer is in that question, How? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, H-O-W. And I have to first say, be honest and say, I have a problem or things aren't going well because I can't fix a problem I can't admit exists. Now, once I admit it exists, then I can do something about it. And then once I do that, once I become honest enough to admit that there's something wrong, then I become open to a new way of living. And once I become open, I become willing to apply those things into my life so I can make changes, positive changes, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah. into my life. Yeah,
2: yeah that that's beautiful. I, I, I like that because I think um, that actually accepting you've got a problem and then reaching out for help, that's probably the most difficult part of everything, isn't it? Well, it was for me because I thought, well – you know, I got myself into this fix. So surely I can sort myself out alone, you know, cause it's like a shameful secret and you didn't want anybody else to know how much you were struggling. But once you accept that you need to make a change, then everything changes because it, it means that you're willing as well to, to do
0: the work, doesn't it? it uh, does. and- yeah, And you said something really important there, you know, ask for help, Yeah. you know, you know ask for help. And that's really hard we've been taught that like asking for help is a sign of weakness and it's not, it's actually a sign of strength. Yeah. It's like, Hey, well, first of all, we're all should really be helping each other anyway. But you know, if you don't know what's going on, ask for help and figure it out. I was taught to have an expert in every area of my life, you know, whenever possible. It's like, if I get sick, I got to go to the doctor. If I have to go to court, I need a lawyer. I hate doing my taxes. So I need an accountant to do that or I get in trouble. And so every year I need an account. So I I surround myself with experts and that gives me freedom to go live my life. If I don't know how to get sober, I can't figure life out, my health, my relationship, whatever it is, ask for help. And I'll I'll be able to figure it out and stop some of the bleeding.
2: Did you ever go through that um, cutting down phase? I mean, I spent 10 years trying to moderate my alcohol consumption and failing and trying and failing. Did you go through that kind of period or, or you just
0: drank far too much and then stopped? You know, I think everybody does is mm. the part of that answer. But, you know, I want—I always remind people uh, when people look at me, they see like a, a happy, healthy, fairly successful guy. Uh, but what they don't see, and, and then they what they say is uh, something <laughs> like, oh, you got lucky or I can never stop or I can never do what you did or whatever. But the truth is like, when you see me, you see this happy, healthy, successful man, but what you didn't see are the hundreds of failed attempts leading up to that time when I finally went to rehab. With the hundreds of times I tried to quit on my own and failed over and over and over again, banging my head against the wall. The continued car accidents, the bankruptcy, the broken relationships, the failing health, nobody sees that part. So they think, oh, you just went to rehab once and then it worked and now you're magically cured. I only went to rehab once, but there was a lot of pain and failed attempts leading up to that 18 yes. years ago.
2: So talk to us about rehab. You you decided you, it had got to the stage where you had to check in somewhere. How long did you stay?
0: I was there for, it was a 30-day treatment center. How was it? <laughs> you know, I think people have, a, there's varying opinions, there's varying success rates. I mean, maybe I'm one of the lucky ones. I don't know, but I've also worked really hard at it. When I got there, uh, it was a 12-step-based program. And when I first got there, there was this one guy. He was there like 28 days. He was, on, he was on his way out. You're only allowed to stay 30 days. He was like, cool, and everybody liked him. And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to him. And he's like, I'm only doing what they tell me to do just so I can get out of here. And then I had my own program in mind. And I was like, I'm going to stick with this guy because I don't want to do this 12-step crap. I did, and I was, I hung out with him for the next two days. And then he left and he went out and got drunk like two days later. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it was he was doing didn't work. So what I decided to do was just grasp onto whatever it was they were teaching. Yeah, You know, yeah. I went to the meetings, I talked to people, I went to the small groups, I did the homework, I read. I was just hanging on. I started walking, they had this little track that went around the property and I used to do laps around there, but I was like 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I was uh, smoking, I was, uh, I'm not who you see. Who you see here is not the man I once was. (laughs) But I just kept trying and trying, and I learned a lot there, and then when I got out, you know, they say uh, rehab is discovery, and then when you get out, the recovery starts. That was the truth for me, and I had to, I I grasped on, I was hungry to live. Because you know what the truth was? I was 31 years old, and I figured, you know what? It looks like I'm not gonna die. So I may as well start taking care of myself. You know, the problem wasn't I kept drinking too much. The problem was I kept waking up. That was the problem. I didn't want to wake up, but I couldn't kill myself. And so I figured, well, I better start taking care of myself because it looks like I'm going to be here for a while, hopefully. And uh, (laughs) that's what I do.
2: You chose life.
0: I chose life, yeah. And then I also learned along the way that helping other people, you know, getting out of ourselves is a – really the way not only to learn more, but to live a, a more fulfilling life. And yeah. that's why I do what I do. I've surrounded myself in a life of service, of, yeah. of giving back. And my goal really is it's not so much to make money. You know, I do pretty well and uh, my life is great, but it's to help a, a couple people. If I could just reach a couple people so that they don't have to spend the next 10 or 20 or 40 years suffering or suffer a little bit less. You know, if I can pull somebody out of the gutter before they hit even lower, that's what that's what it's all about.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's wonderful work. We're both privileged to be doing that kind of work. And it it, well, for me, it's given me real purpose, you know, for the first time in my life. I had a very long corporate career, you know, which was successful, but I didn't really feel I had purpose apart from maybe making
0: shareholders a bit richer. But (laughs) this is much more meaningful. It is. Yeah. And some people thrive in that environment and that's fine. But if you're not, you know, I, I was just talking about this very recently in the last couple of days. But it's like if you're laying in bed in the morning with the sheets over your head going, I don't want to get out of bed and you're just scared to death to get out of bed to go to this job that maybe pays the bills, maybe pays your credit card debt. I don't know. If you're not excited to get out of bed and do life each day, then I'm challenging you to say I I don't think that you're meant to be doing what it is you're doing and make a change. Yeah. Change your life. I, one of the sayings I like is like if you don't like the way things are going, then change. You're not a tree. Like a tree has to grow where it's planted. We have the option to go and change and live multiple lives. I've li- I've, my life has gone in so many directions. It's crazy. And I, now I, I kind of just go with it and allow it to unfold, doing the next right thing, whatever's in front of me, You know, taking care of myself along the way.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com.
2: I heard you saying um, that sub- the subconscious is is ruling the show. You know, I'm, I'm very into subconscious as well. I love, uh, in fact, did you know Annie Grace? Because she's in Colorado. I know it's a big place, but have you heard of her, Annie Grace? I've heard
0: the name. I, I... She's great.
2: She's written a book called The Naked Mind. And it's a huge bestseller. It's about addiction. She focuses a lot on limiting beliefs. And in fact, she had a corporate career in uh, marketing, kind of global marketing. And I think even she was in the drinks. uh, She had accounts for, for drinks. And she's talking about, you know, how we're completely manipulated and brainwashed by the liquor industry into thinking it's glamorous and it's something that we all need and she talks about our limiting beliefs you know those beliefs like i need alcohol to have fun you know i mean you at the age of 30 it must have crossed your mind that you'll never have fun again (laughs) because we, we think like that don't we when we're drinkers so how how did you change your mindset so that you you didn't feel that you were missing out
0: Mm, Yeah, great question. Yeah, we're victims of marketing on every level. And we don't even realize it. Marketing works. It it really does. And our whole lives are conditioned by marketing. And I mean, just it goes, if you're watching a TV show that has commercials in it, those commercials are very intentional. You know, if if you're watching like a news program, they pump fear into you. And right after that, because we don't like to feel fear and anxiety. So they pump fear into you for about seven or eight minutes, and then they break to a commercial where you're going to find things like uh, zero-interest credit cards or a Budweiser commercial or something to take that pain away. So you're like, I don't want to live in fear. But now if I go to McDonald's and get something to eat, then I don't have to feel that fear right now. Or I can can go buy something that makes me feel good on a zero-interest credit card that I won't have to pay back right away, and that will help me feel better. So marketing yeah. is very and I could talk about that for many Yeah. Episodes.
2: I hadn't thought about that actually. The news, the fear. I mean I've I've thought about the fear and and then them offering stuff to make you feel better. But of course, we in all the movies we we see everybody drinking as well, don't we? Sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, is great. And then but you have to think how far the marketing has gone there with drinking. Like for instance, nobody needs a 30 pack of beer. Nobody needs a bottle of alcohol with a handle on it unless you're in a bar or unless you own the bar to serve lots of people. Like drinking is great. Drinking is really great. Let's be real. Drinking does what it's supposed to do. It kind of takes you away a little bit. Now, if you don't have a problem with addiction or that obsessive compulsive mind that which I can dive into in a second, like you asked me, then having a drink is great. You know, we get off work. Life is hard. The day is hard. The kids are crazy. The husband, the wife, all this stuff. I'm going to have a drink. And you kind of, escape and most people sip on a drink and they're like oh this tastes good or this is great or even the buzz is great and then that's it you kind of go away for an hour or two whatever you wind down and then you go about your life for us it doesn't work that way <laughs> no, that's just the beginning for us yeah
2: it? that first yeah. drink.
0: <laughs> it's funny you say that at the beginning like when for normal people you know the, when they take a drink and they start losing control or feeling tipsy the red light goes on yeah, it's for not, us, oh. <laughs> yeah. For us, I start going. Yay! <laughs> the green light goes on. It's like, let's go. I'm going to drink the rest of that bottle and then I'm going to go get an eight ball and let's go buy some more. So that's the way my mind goes, which is why I can't drink. Sure. But as far as. The subconscious mind, so we're driven by our subconscious thinking, 80 to 90% of everything we do is driven by our subconscious minds, meaning our conditioning, the marketing, whatever it was, our parents, the conditioning program we grew up with. Our subconscious mind is the mind of intent, right? It's the mind that says, Oh, this is my to do list. I have to do this today. I'm not the logical
2: part, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's the logical part. It says like, I have to go to work, I have to do pay the bills. I'm not going to drink today because it's not serving me. And my subconscious mind since it's running the show says let's go to happy hour. And we end up at happy hour because that's what we've been programmed to do over the years. So our subconscious mind does good things too." So like when we brush our teeth, when we wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth. And why do we do that? Because when we were three years old, our parents said, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. So we were conditioned day after day, week after week, month after month for a long period of time to brush our teeth. And now we just do it. When I was 15 and full of fear, insecurity, anxiety, and I took a drink and I kept doing that, My mind was conditioned to drink when I'm full of fear, anxiety, insecurity, Mm -hmm. heartache, or anger, resentment. And that's how, what I was conditioned to do. So over time we can, the good news is we can reprogram our subconscious mind. Yeah. It it takes time, effort, and usually accountability from a coach or mentor, therapist, whatever, whatever's around to help guide us through and keep us on track to reprogram our mind. But We've been on this path for 10, 20, 40, 50 years. It's going to take longer than a week or two to exactly. rebuild our yeah. subconscious.
2: Yeah, I find a lot of people are quite impatient with sobriety. You know, in our community, we we'll often have newish people and you know they're doing the work and staying on track for, you know, maybe a month, two months and they're saying, I don't feel great yet. When does, you know, when am I gonna feel fantastic like you told me I'm going to? And we, we really need to be patient, don't we, with sobriety. I always say to people, you've got to do a year, really, until things start changing. And yeah. more, you know, as you say, um, recovery is so much more than not drinking and we're developing and changing all the time. But I think, you know, to, to really put a space between you and your drinking, you've got to do a year. And then you will feel good. There's so many benefits after a year. And, you
0: know, this is where the life mastery term comes in, because, it, you know, people say uh, in in the world of recovery, there's lots of cliches. But one of them is you only have to change one thing. And that's everything. Yeah. You know, so yeah. a big, another big problem that we find is cross addictions. So it's like, I'm going to quit drinking, but I'm going to start smoking weed. I'm going to quit smoking weed, but I'm going to eat a pound of chocolate every day. I'm going to stop eating chocolate, but I'm going to watch porn. I'm going to stop watching porn, but I'm going to watch six hours of Netflix or scroll on my phone mindlessly for six hours every day. So cross addiction is real popular, too. Like we end up in those patterns of behavior. It's just another distraction from feeling. Yeah. So you know, when you say, "Oh, it's a year of not drinking before life pan starts to pan out," yeah, I agree. But also, it's a year for any of these paths we take. It takes time to. First of all, we have to undo the condition, the harmful conditioning. You say the, the limiting beliefs, the harmful thinking. We have to undo those harmful patterns of behavior and thinking, and add in healthy new ways of thinking and living. And it takes time. Yeah. And by life yeah. mastery, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I hear all the time is like, it's okay to, you know, just stop drinking. It's okay to keep smoking. And what a bunch of bullshit. Like, why would you keep smoking? The, one of the biggest defenses against the cravings and the unhealthy behaviors is a, is a healthy immune system. It's a, it's a physically healthy body and pumping smoke and a pound of sugar into your body every day. Is weakening your body and your immune systems and your responses to things like cravings, and so we we never really grow out of those harmful beliefs and behaviors while we're continuing down that path. So we really want to try to master every area of our lives, yeah, yeah, one yeah. at a time at a high level, and then yeah. you start seeing real success.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, w- I went to AA for a while. It, it didn't work for me, but you know I can see it, it works for many, many people. But one thing that struck me was uh, everyone used to be standing outside smoking you know, and I don't smoke. Yeah. but I, I always felt like saying to them that stuff kills you as well you know
0: <laughs> it totally does yeah and aa i i went for a long time and uh and if you're going to aa keep going and if you're new but well, in my opinion it's like a, it's a great intro to yeah. sobriety it's like you know here's what's wrong it's like i drink because i'm blanking out life like the painful experiences of life really and uh and that's cool so it's a great intro on i drank too much i'm full of resentment fear so secrets let's get some of that stuff out let's clear up the past and then let's go out and live there's no need to spend the next 30 years of your life in these rooms reading the same book like everybody's like let's talk about page 58 64 and 120 and i'm like you know there's like a billion books like let's study some more books And you have to go out and practice what you've learned. And instead of just like talking about the same things over and over and over again. Now, the best thing about AA, in my opinion, well, one, it's a great intro. It's a great place to start. It really is. So if you're struggling and it's a good way to be surrounded by like-minded people, which is leads me to the really the best thing. It's really the fellowship. Of course, and,
2: the connection. And, and that's what we have in all of our sobriety groups, don't we? And and I love people in recovery because we just get each other, don't we, immediately. You don't need to, to tell your life story. We just understand each other. And, and that's beautiful. But talking about the 12 steps, uh, you've done something, what is it, six steps and made it as a as a kind of strategy for life almost. And that made me think of Russell Brand. He, he's done something along those lines. Have you seen his book?
0: I have, yeah. I tried to talk to him, but I'm not big enough yet. People say all the time, uh, you know, how pow- powerful the 12 steps are. And I agree. Somebody said to me early, in, early on in sobriety, it was a guy who had the similar length of sobriety. We were both like a, early on a year or so, or so sober. And he just looked up at the wall, at the steps. He goes, you know, these are just a blueprint for living. And that made a lot of sense because the first step, it talks about this alcohol problem that we have. And then that's it. And then the rest of the time, it's like, oh, here's how to live. And that's the thing. I didn't know how to live. It, it was, And I was drinking because I didn't know how to live. So when you understand that, I was drinking to blank out the feelings, the, the insecurities, the fear, the heartache, all those things. And I didn't know how to live. So now we have to learn how to live. And then there's no room for drinking. That's like the concept. So what I did was I took the 12 steps, um, some of them. And I made a six-step program that anybody could do, regardless of whether you have an addiction problem or not, but just that you can apply to your life every day. You don't have to do them like once a year or every 10 years when somebody tells you to. If things aren't going well, it's all about really getting centered, one, admit there's some sort of problem out there, the how, and then calm down. I, I apply uh, Meditation and mindfulness is a huge part of my uh, program, a huge part of my life. It's what I teach. It's what I practice because we should always be coming from a place of center. If we're not, then we're off center. And it's hard to really know where you stand. And when you don't know where you stand, it's hard to step forward and become successful. So I like to spend a lot of time trying to get and stay centered now. When I wake up in the morning, I try to get centered and I meditate. Now, if I wake up and grab my phone and look at Facebook and politics and get angry about something a family member said or whatever, that's the way my day goes. But if I wake up and I get centered, I read something productive, maybe write something down, meditate, exercise, drink lots of water, that's the way my day goes. You know, we have a choice on how we want our day to go. And uh, so get centered, clean up the past and then help other people. So that's part of like what the six steps are. And you yeah. uh, don't need to be in a recovery program to do those steps. If things are going well, aren't going well, if your relationships messed up, or somebody said something that made you angry, you can look at these six steps and just run through them in 10 minutes and just try to get recentered, And then go back and do life do your day. Like if you If you wake up and get centered, and an hour later, somebody pisses you off, you don't have to wait 20 hours until you wake up tomorrow to get re centered and ruin a whole day of your life. Get re centered and then start over. You know, enjoy your days, enjoy your life.
2: No, that's that's beautiful. You've said quite often that that you drank because you you didn't want to be in touch with your feelings and you wanted to numb your feelings. So was it meditation and mindfulness that brought you back to yourself, really?
0: Yeah, yeah. I say it's a combination of everything. You know, the the diet, the exercise. Remember, it's yeah. like taking a holistic approach to life. Yeah, holistic. And I was just talking about this. So holistic. You know, a lot of people are. Misunderstand the term holistic. They think it has some sort of spiritual meaning or something, but it really doesn't. It just means whole, right? It means a whole approach to my health and wellness and my health and well being. And we need to take a holistic approach to life. And when we do, you know, when I'm centered, I'm healthy, I feel well, and somebody, something gets me disturbed, or I don't know how to, like, my feelings get off, or I'm resentful, angry whatever the feeling is. I could just feel those feelings and process them rather than go get drunk, numb them out for six hours or a day or a week or, and compound the problems. I could just feel them and work through them. You know, I use CBT a lot, cognitive behavioral therapy is a big part of what I teach too in my coaching. This is just one form. But cognitive behavioral therapy is really just about emotional regulation. It's like recognizing harmful beliefs and behaviors and reversing them so they don't become harmful to your lifestyle. Awareness is huge. And awareness comes from being mindful and meditation and and living well, helping others. And your life just kind of comes together when you're living that way.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the wonderful things about sobriety is once you find yourself again, if that's the right way to put it, you start thinking about other aspects of your life, you know, like how 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 am I eating? You know, what's I'm eating too much junk or I'm not exercising enough or maybe I should do some yoga. And I interviewed a guy a while ago and he called this the domino effect. I thought that was great. You know, you fix this one thing and then everything else you, you turn your mind to that and you think yeah I need to fix that as well it's a bit like when you decorate a house you know and you paint one wall and then you think oh the rest of it looks a bit shabby
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great concept it really is now and that works as long as I'm not drinking or getting stoned or doing what. like as long as I'm sober then I get the opportunity to continue changing those areas of my life as soon as I say oh or I get overwhelmed and angry or resentful and then I drink or do drugs to distract myself from feeling now I've lost the option to go out and take care of myself and do better improve my finances my relationships my health all those
2: things so let's go back to Loretta for a moment Loretta Breuning and her her happy brain and I know you've got a funky brain she's got a happy brain (laughs) and yeah uh, she's great (laughs) she is I love her and that's what I love about podcasting actually I just read her book I thought this is fabulous and I contacted her and I said oh you know can I do an interview and she said yeah so we had a great interview and then uh, she even came to one of our zoom cafes that we have in our community and she talked to our community and they all loved her as well so so she's she's um you know brought such a lot to our community and taught us so much and when she was on my podcast I had a real. Light bulb moment with her because I was explaining that when I was between um, maybe three and six months sober, I was uh, I was very depressed. You know, I knew that I had to do this because I had all sorts of gruesome health issues going on. But I, I was at that point, you know, my mindset was all wrong and I was seeing sobriety as a, a grey and miserable place. So, you know, I just plodded on there. I was determined to get to it. And then eventually I started to cheer up, you know, and things got much better. But Loretta uh, kind of delved into what else was going on in my life when I was, um, you know, feeling, feeling so much better. And I realised that it was because I had this idea to set up Tribe Sober, which is you know what I do now, and I, it was just an idea. But you know, it started as a blog, and then I designed a workshop, and then I trained as a recovery coach. So I was taking all these small steps, you know, succeeding each time, setting up a website, learning all, learning a bit about marketing. She explained to me that it was because, you know, I was taking small steps towards a big goal and each step that I took, it was triggering, you know, those happy brain chemicals. And even I didn't even have to achieve a step, but even because I knew that I had a step to aim for, the dopamine was surging away there. So I just found that fascinating and Often people in our community, you know, they say to me, oh, I'm sober, but I hate it. I'm so miserable. So I used to say to them, well, that will pass, you know, just hang in there. But now I say to them, get a project. <laughs> and, you know, I think this step-by-step thing really is, is big.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, create goals,
0: yeah. you know, and ask for help, have that accountability um, I love that, you know, a, a lot of the re- a, a big reason why a lot of people fail in sobriety or recovery is because, uh, we don't replace yeah. the harmful behaviors with something healthy. And, you know, all those things that you're talking about are building a life, not yeah. waiting for life to happen. Yeah. We're, we're building that life that we crave and sobriety allows that to happen. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that, you talk about that's important for people that are struggling and listening to this right now is that what you just said was like all these little steps, you know, we're tripping off dopamine and life is starting to come together. This is great. And we feel great. And you built this and then you built this. So the book and then the, the website and the, the cafes and the, this and then that, like all these things that you were doing, those things take time. Yeah. So one of the things with addiction and alcoholism, we don't like that. We don't like waiting and time. The thing with the drinking is like I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out, insecure, fearful. I can go take a shot. And within a minute to three minutes, I can feel better. I can feel it going down my throat. And I'm like, I know in a minute I'm going to feel better and not have to handle this. Now, building a successful, healthy lifestyle doesn't work like that. Yeah. It, it could take many months or years to achieve these like goals in our lives you have to remember it took years to screw my life up it's going to take longer than a week or two to put it back together and so we have to give time time we have to start something and you know what else we have to do along the way fail you know and we don't we don't like that either that's another reason we were drinking you know i'm i i'm unsure of things and i don't like uh falling short of my goals or failing and learning the lessons from them and moving beyond and moving beyond and continuing to grow. What you're doing is building a solid foundation on which to stand. So when things do get shaky in the next like 10, 20, 40 years, you know, it's no big deal because you have that solid foundation you're building right now. And it it takes time to, to really suck that concept in and your new sober life to be like, to know that things are going to be okay on the other side of failure or falling short.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we ha- we have to have faith, don't we? Because when I was in that gray place I couldn't imagine that I would ever feel again like I used to feel when I was drinking because, you know, there were plenty of lows, but there were also a lot of highs, a lot of good times. And I used to think back wistfully to those good old days, you know, but, but obviously the highs that I have these days are, are much more, more real and genuine and they, they don't disappear or, or end up in a car crash. So let's talk about your funky brain then, shall we, Dennis?
0: No problem. Years ago in early recovery, sobriety, my friends used to say, oh, Dennis has funky brain again, because I, I would just like go to these meetings and I didn't know how to live life. I didn't know how to manage feelings, emotions, people, uh, work, all those things, finances. So I would go and I would, I would complain a lot or I would talk a lot about stuff that I just didn't understand. And they would say, oh, Dennis has funky brain. And so that's where it originally came from. and. When I was writing my book, I was going to call it Funky Brain, but I like Funky Wisdom because it implies growth and, you know, that I learned some stuff along the way. And that's why I called my book Funky Wisdom. But I like I call my podcast the Funky Brain Podcast. You know, there's a lot of addiction recovery in there, but there's a lot of other mental health aspects in there, too, like Loretta with the happy brain, happy chemicals and uh, athletes, entertainers, all, all different types of people with different life experiences.
2: Yeah, your your podcast is great. I listen to it. I, I've just been went out for a walk because we couldn't do our podcast when we planned our interviews. So I went for a walk instead. So uh, I was listening to your podcast. And I've read your book as well, which I love. So people can get your stuff just by going to your website, I think, can't, can't they, which is your name .com,
0: dennisberry.com. Yeah, DennisBerry.com. From there, you can see the podcast buy the book, book a free session with me. Oh, I have Life Mastery School there now. It's a series of free videos, different topics. There's four. There's um, addiction recovery, health and wellness, mindfulness and meditation, and love and relationships. I think 15 or 20 videos in each of those sections on different topics. uh, And it's free. Stop in, watch some videos. If you're struggling and not sure what steps to take in any of those categories in life, there's something there to maybe give you some tips to start.
2: Thank you so much, Dennis. Some great insights for us there. Let's pull out some key points. Dennis worked in the restaurant business for several years. He took his behind the scenes of what he calls the vampire lifestyle, He tells us about vodka and coke being stashed in the freezer and the staff would help themselves when they came into the kitchen to collect the dishes for the next course. At that time, he was caught in a vicious cycle, waking up feeling awful and resolving to go straight home from work that day. Then he would drink all day at the restaurant and then find himself at the bar after work again, over and over. He just didn't know how to escape. He managed to get out of the restaurant trade at the age of 27 and he got sober at the tender age of 31. Dennis got sober by going to rehab and doing the work. He did absolutely everything they recommended and it worked. At Tribe Sober, we recommend that people prioritise their sobriety and throw the book at it. Listen to the podcast, read the quicklet, stay connected with your community Do everything you can for at least six months and your life will change. As Dennis says, rehab is discovery, but it's only when you leave that your recovery can begin. And at the age of 31, Dennis was hungry for life. He made the very interesting point that although ditching the booze can help us recover ourselves, for people like Dennis, he had to learn to live his life for the very first time. That got me thinking of the fact that our emotional maturity stalls at the age when we start drinking heavily. So if we start drinking at a young age, we never get the chance to learn how to handle our feelings and our emotions. We agree that for some people, AA can be a good start, but we need to do the work and then go out and live. We can't spend 30 years going to the rooms for meetings. He feels that the best thing about AA is the community. And these days, many sobriety groups can offer community. Connection really is the opposite of addiction. So fix the drinking, and then you can address other parts of your life. We call this the domino effect. Check out Tribe Sober podcast episode 52 for more information. Dennis came up with a nice analogy. If we're going through a divorce or an addiction or financial problems, we tend to say that our life is falling apart. But we should try reframing that because it often means that our lives are actually falling into place. It's the beginning rather than the end. And that made me think of the J.K. Rowling quote. Rock bottom became the foundation on which I built my life. Dennis discovered that helping others gave him purpose. He wanted a life of service. In his book, Funky Wisdom, Dennis uses the acronym HOW. H-O-W. We need honesty to admit there's a problem. Then we need to be open-minded. That's where the O comes in. And W is for creating a new way of life. We've been taught that asking for help is a sign of weakness, but in fact it's a sign of strength. And I often say that the hardest step of all is to recognize that we have a problem with our drinking and then to reach out for help. Once you've reached out, the rest will just fall into place. So if you need to reach out, go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe and we'll take it from there. Dennis explained that when a normal drinker feels a bit tipsy, that'll be a red light for him to stop. Whereas for us dependent drinkers, that's a green light to keep going and to step it up a bit. We talked about how the whole world is manipulated by various forms of marketing And he raised a very interesting point about the placement of TV commercials. The news will pump fear into us for 10 minutes and then show us an ad for booze or junk food to trigger us into numbing the pain. And as Dennis says, our subconscious mind is running the show. And those limiting beliefs we held about drinking, being fun, etc. will keep us drinking. But the good news is that we can reprogram our subconscious. And that's exactly what we start doing in our four-hour Zoom workshops. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast on the morning of 25th of June, which is when it comes out, you may be interested to know that there's a Zoom workshop today, which starts at 1.30 p.m. South African time. Message Janet at Tribesaber.com before the start time if you want to join us. Dennis also talked about the dangers of cross-addiction to smoking and eating sugary foods, for example. They're just another distraction to numb our feelings. And in fact, smoking and sugar will damage our immune system. And a strong immune system will help us to cope with cravings. We need to stop those harmful habits and add in healthy habits which can take up to a year. Dennis believes in starting his day by Getting centered, and his six step program, which he explains in his book Funky Wisdom, enables him to get and stay centered. So these days, he uses meditation, mindfulness, and CBT to process his feelings so he no longer feels the need to numb them out. We talked about the importance of having a project. When we get sober, we have to start building something worthwhile rather than just waiting for life to happen. And building a purposeful and healthy life takes years, whereas drinking is just a quick fix. So as you heard, Dennis has plenty of useful information on his website, dennisberry.com. You can find videos on there. You can book a one-to-one with him. Do have a look. It's a great website. And also his book is called Funky Wisdom, and you can buy it from the website. I'll put all that information in the show notes. We're always urging our tribe members to get a project to keep those happy brain chemicals triggered. I try to take my own advice, so I've always got a project on the go. And my latest project's been developing an online course called Kickstart Your Sober Life. The content's been uploaded and it's been tested during June. July will be launch month, so watch this space. The course will be offered at a special launch price for Tribe Sober members, so it's a great time to sign up. Just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. Let me finish with a message from one of our chat rooms. In fact, I'm going to pick two messages. Now, these two messages were from ladies who joined the tribe in their darkest days and they struggled a lot, but look where they are now. So if you're struggling, then take heart from these messages and keep trying. You will get there. So let me start with Anne-Marie. Morning all. So sorry I've been so quiet. Today is 226 days for me. I must say I'm so blessed to have you all in my phone. I've been dealing with so much the last couple of weeks. The dog that died, the son that nearly wrote off his car and my daughter that's going through her first breakup. Amazing how some of the issues actually seem so small in comparison with my journey to survive my addiction. I feel really proud of myself. I'm also happy to say that I'm a sober buddy to someone. It is such a privilege, and it keeps you on your toes and keeps you grateful. And the second message is from Monica. Today's Gratitude. Thank fuck I'm sober. Pretty much an everyday gratitude. This time last year, at two months, I was bouncing around the idea of packing up my life in South Africa to move to the UK. I wondered if I'd be brave and able enough to pull it off. One year later, one year sober, I've been in the UK for three months. I'm packing again because I have a one-way train ticket to Scotland. Not sure where to from there but for now it feels right. I start the journey with a stopover in London to meet up with tribe member Lucy. This life is so much better than being knocked down by alcohol. How you've all helped me to change my life. Well, ladies, what can I say? Well done. It makes everything we do at Tribe Sober so worthwhile when we read messages like that. So this week's giveaway is our PDF, which is called Seven Ways to Make Your Sobriety Stick. So if you'd like a copy of that, just write to Janet at tribesober.com and I'll send it to you right away. If you just want to dip your toe in the waters of sobriety, then why not sign up for our Dry July Challenge, which starts on Friday. We put you in a chat group with the other challenges. We send you a daily email full of tips, tools, and inspiration. And we offer you several Zoom calls a week. What's not to like? Just go to tribesober.com and hit the dry July graphic to find out more and sign up. And don't forget to follow us and share the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.
1: Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards. And that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.